This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. I am so excited that we get to tackle this topic of kingdom identity. And and wow, thank you, Lisa, for such an amazing um, job of discussing this topic of us as ambassadors. And uh, when I think about the importance of our kingdom identity, I think it is so crucial for us to grab a hold of that, um, for us to be able to see the miraculous in our lives. We're talking about miracles today, and, and this is such a, a key part of that. And, and I believe that sometimes our perspective can be clouded by the lies of the enemy, but God wants to bring clarity today. Amen? And so... Um, it's by God's miracle working power that we see our kingdom identity bought back from the enemy. And I want to tackle just that with you in the little time that we have left. I'm going to try and not steal um, any of your break time. But I'm talking about something that was really real for me, uh, was this concept of, of us being saints and not sinners. And I grew up in the church. I was very blessed to be born into a Christian family. Um, and with that came uh, some interesting things as, as I learned a lot of religion growing up. And um, it's something that marked me as I grew in the church. And so I learned at a very long, young age, Romans 3, verse 23, which says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that is absolutely true because of the sin of Adam and Eve. We're all born into sin nature. We're all in need of that redemption of Jesus Christ to be reconciled with God. It's, it's important for us to, to know that whole process. Um, but what happened for me, and if I can just be um, honest with you guys about my life story, was I took that to heart really harshly. And um, I even remember... You know, if anyone, is anyone a kid's church worker in here? What you say will stick with people. I'm just telling you right now, there's a line that I have not forgotten from when I was maybe four or five. And I remember my uh, Sunday school teacher saying, when you sin, it makes God cry. Yeah. And that was just like a huge thud for my little five-year-old heart. I was like, oh. Right, And for me, I lived my life by that, though. When, and I took it in, and I believed it as truth, because I, I was young. I didn't know to question it or be like, oh, I don't know, is this theologically correct? It's not. But, um, <laughs> but it, it meant that I walked in this place where, where I felt this shame of, wow, God is constantly disappointed with me. And every time that I mess up, I'm making him cry, and I don't mean to. But it was this... this um, just this mindset that I ended up putting myself in where um, I felt like there was this continual inadequacy. Like, you're not good enough because you just let God down again. And this was where I felt I stood as a sinner, right? If we're talking about that idea of being a sinner and I felt like, well, I'll never be enough to get out of this identity as a sinner. And the wonderful thing is we don't have to be enough. If we look at Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 9, it says, uh, and I wish I had a PowerPoint. I'm sorry, I didn't know we would have a PowerPoint or else I'd have all of these up there for you. But Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 9, I'm reading out of the NIV. It says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So it actually has nothing to do with us when we talk about this idea of uh, salvation. 
and walking into our new identity really has nothing to do with us. And, and I was able to take that in kind of as head knowledge growing up and say, well, yeah, of course it couldn't be of me because I'm a sinner and I suck. And that was kind of where I stood growing up. Um, and, you know, maybe I'm not the only one that's been like that in this room where we don't necessarily label ourselves that way um, verbally, but there's this inward shame, this inward inadequacy that can sometimes creep up um, when we live in that state of, of a religious mindset of being a sinner, right? And the, the weight that that carries. And there's even, like, there's songs out there that, that I still catch myself singing that talk about labeling us as sinners. And there's even an old hymn that says, you know, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And, and there's, there's a lot of areas where um, we can get caught up in that mindset of labeling ourselves that way. Um, and... And we end up coming back to that same place where it's like, well, I'm not enough. But if we look at what the Bible says about sinners, it actually um, talks about sinners biblically being someone who's in habitual disregard for the standards of God. So um, it talks about two different kinds of sinners when, when it's referring to sinners in the Bible. We have the Gentiles who were non-Jews. They didn't believe in God. They just had, they were like our modern day atheists or people that are just not Christians. And then we had the people who were Jews that didn't live according to the standards of the temple and the law that God had given them. And so that would kind of be what we would see maybe as, as backsliders today. Um, people who believe in God, but aren't necessarily living according to what they know God wants them to do. And But the Bible never refers to us as people who have accepted Jesus into their lives and living according to um, the standard that he has for our lives, walking with him in our life. He doesn't refer to us as, as sinners except for in one verse. And that's found in Romans 5 verse 8. It says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners... Christ died for us. So the only time that he brings up that identity as sinners is within the light of Christ's redemptive power. Isn't that beautiful? That he never brings it up to bring shame, only to glorify himself. To say, this, this is who you were, not this is who you are, right? If we look at that, it says, we were still sinners. And I'm no English scholar by any means. You can ask my mother. That was my worst subject. But were is a past tense. So that is our past identity. We can stand firm. I, um, yes, that's okay? Good. <laughs> but uh, that is our past identity. We were sinners, but we no longer have to stand in that because Jesus made a way for us when we choose him to walk into a new identity. He paid a high price when he went to that cross for that label to be broken off of you. Whether it's a label that you've put on yourself, labels that other people have put on you, maybe a label that you feel even the church has put on you, we can be free of that this morning. I want to invite you guys to discover the kingdom identity that God actually has for you as a saint and not a sinner. And I want to look at Zephaniah 3, verse 17, because it's one of my favorite verses. I'm actually going to read it out of the Amplified Version this afternoon. It says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a warrior who saves. He will rejoice over you with joy. He will be quiet in his love, and making no mention of your past sins, he will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. 
You know, some versions of this um, actually say that he rejoices over you with joyful song. And I love that vision of um, us worshiping God and we lift our songs to God and he actually has a song that he returns back over us, that he's singing over us. And I believe that that song is not a song of disappointment. And it says right here that he's rejoicing with joy. Therefore, it's, it's, it's not like what I heard in kids' church where he's crying over us. He's not. He's actually rejoicing. He's singing. He has a smile on his face and he sees you and he says, I'm so happy about you. That's the song that he gets to sing over each and every one of you here this afternoon. That's your kingdom identity as a saint and not a sinner, not something that we need to be ashamed of, but actually something that sets us free. And when, when we look at this idea of him rejoicing over us, it means that we no longer have to live in condemnation, right? It says in Romans 8 verse 1, there is therefore no now now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So we know that we've been set free from that idea of shame, of condemnation, of any negative um, label that we or someone else has put on us. As believers in Christ, we get to walk out of that and into something new and something powerful because he calls us saints. That is part of the song that he is singing over us. He's, he's declaring your identity right here and right now because it says he's in our midst. He's right here right now singing that song. And it's just a matter of us tuning in to hear God singing that you are his saint. And you know, Paul actually confirms this. If we look at 1 Corinthians 1 verse 2, it says, he's opening up a letter to the church of Corinth. It says, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, saints by calling, with all who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. So when we look at what Paul is saying here, he's saying that the people in the church at Corinth He's calling saints, but actually he opens up many of his letters in the New Testament in a similar way, calling them saints. And it even says here, um, with all who in every place call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're here and you call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul already included you in that, calling you a saint. So it's there in the Bible. We can claim that as our truth. And when we look at how the Bible declares saints, um, sometimes we think of saints as good people who have passed away and um, we see some churches named after them like St. Peter, St. Paul, wonderful Christians who um, deserve to be remembered for sure. But we don't have to die to become a saint. We also don't lose our sainthood when we die. It's all good. But uh, <laughs> we just carry it with us to heaven. It's all good. Um, but, but we get to be saints right here and now. That's all part of it. And, and a saint is anyone who has dedicated themselves to the teachings of Christ and, and lives in a life dedicated to Christ. And if we look at the New Testament Greek word, because um, I'm a geek and I do that, it's the word, um, yeah, Greek. Um, we look at this word, it's hagiadzo, which means to set apart, sanctify, or to make holy as God is holy. Wow. Can we just... Stop and think about that for a sec. To make holy as God is holy. That is part of the label that we get to declare over our lives. And if you look around this room, over the women in this room who have dedicated their lives to Christ, we get to be called holy as God is holy. That's part of that word saint 
that we declare over our lives. When I think about that, it brings me back to the image that we see in Revelations and in Isaiah and and we see um, this vision of God's throne room in heaven and these angelic beings flying around 24-7 in worship. That just sounds amazing to me. We've had some wonderful times of worship here today. Um, but can imagine like 24-7 in heaven right in front of God. And this is Isaiah 6 verse 3 where we see these angelic beings. And they said, and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now think about that. The one all-encompassing word that these creatures could come up with in the presence of Almighty God fully aware of all of his wonder and his glory and his majesty, seeing him unveiled in heaven, they choose to use the word holy. Yet, as we look back, us being a saint means to be holy as God is holy. So that pure word that they were able to find in their worship to God in the midst of his presence in heaven was also what God is singing over us right now. So we get to be in this beautiful moment where we can sing to God, holy, holy, holy. And it's actually, it's true that we can imagine that God is singing over you and you're holy. You're my holy daughter. You're my holy saint of a daughter. And that's the way that he sees each and every one of you today. See, I love how this goes on to say that the whole earth is full of his glory. I never noticed this for a long time, but it actually says that these creatures were in the glory of God, in the glory of heaven, beholding the glory of heaven, yet declaring the glory of earth. Why would these creatures have a thought about earth when they're in the presence of Almighty God in heaven? Yeah, I believe that God has bestowed his glory here on earth in many Many different ways we can, we can see how, you know, the, the, sky, the skies declare the glory of the Lord and the earth declares his praise, right? We can read that in Psalms, but God also lets his glory rest on his prized possessions, and that's you and I as his saints. We get to be carriers of God's glory, and that in that way, we get to fill the earth with his glory as we take that on, as we get to carry God's glory with us. It says the whole earth is full of his glory. Why? Because his glory rests on his saints, and the saints go out and fill the earth, right? So therefore, the earth is full of God's glory that is with us, and that divine position as conduits of, of his glory here on earth is part of that kingdom identity as holy saints. And it's not actually pride for us to think of ourselves that way. Sometimes I believe the enemy wants to come in and tell us, wow, that's some pretty lofty things you're saying about yourself there. Whoa, Carling, right? And it, it's so easy to get caught there. And I struggled with that myself for so many years to think, well, well, there's no way. I, no, no, that's, that's pride if I were to think that highly of myself, right? And it's actually false humility to put yourself in that position where you, you don't actually grab hold of all that Christ died for you to actually claim. You know, God sent his son to die so that we could have the fullness of that glory. And part of the fullness of that glory is claiming that, that we can stand in the face of the enemy and say, actually, I am holy, I am righteous, and I am a saint, I am a daughter of the king. And we can stand and we can declare those things because that is not what I say about myself, that's what he says about me right? Yeah. So as we tune in to hear what he is singing over us, it has nothing to do with what we've done. 
It has everything to do with it. He's done. So that's why you may sit here and think, well, how can I declare these things about myself if I still sin, right? Just like we said, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It would be lovely if we said a prayer and we all just stopped sinning. That would make life so easy. Yes. <laughs> Anytime now, Lord. But, <laughs> but, uh, but that doesn't usually happen. <laughs> I wish so. Not usually. Not been my experience, at least. But the wonderful thing is our identity is not wrapped up in what we do. I love how Joyce Myers actually says it. He's, she says, your who is not your do. And, and it's so good because I think um, we, we see the world around us and they find their identity in law in, well, I mean, I, even as a nurse, I see a lot of people who are like, oh, hi, I'm so-and-so and I'm a nurse. And like, as soon as you meet someone, they're like, oh, and what do you do, right? And it's like automatically to get to know someone, they want to know what do you do? But who you are is not defined by what you do. It's, all, it's defined by Christ and what he did for you. And that's why we can make these lofty claims because it's not confidence in ourselves. It's actually God confidence in what he did for us. And that is the beautiful thing about being in our kingdom identity, being a daughter of the king. We get to declare those things about ourselves. Because when we come through the cross, we're actually meant to leave that old identity behind and step into his identity for us. And that's why he's made a way. And we see in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, um, where he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Can you guys say new things? That's right. New things. I was expecting, thank you. <laughs> a couple of you have got it. Yes. No, this is exciting, guys. We've got, we've got such beautiful plans and purpose set before us. God made us new, not so that we could go back to the old things that we did, but so that we could do new things. He's given us a new identity for new things that he has on each and every one of you. Just like Lisa was declaring, you know, we each get to be ambassadors. That's just one facet of what God has placed on our lives as his daughters, as being in the kingdom of God, we get to step into this new purpose. He doesn't just clean us up and clean up the old. No, he actually gets rid of the old and makes something all new. This is exciting stuff that we get to actually, it's like you just get completely remodeled. It's wonderful. And I know that for me, I struggled for many years to actually step into that new identity. But I believe that until we actually do step in and embrace that new identity, there's something that holds us back from being able to step into the full potential of what Christ has on our lives. And guys, it's beautiful. There's something amazing that he has for each and every one of you to step into. And it's it's up to you to pray to God and ask, you know, what does that look like in my life? Because he has called us all to be ambassadors. He has called us all to go and make disciples of all nations. And I believe part of that is the nation of Canada and the city of Kingston. He's put you here for a reason. And it's just a matter of us being open to say, God, what, do you, what are you going to place in front of me even today? How are you going to use me today? And it doesn't need to be this grandiose thing, but he, he asks us, to step into his identity in order to do his works. And one thing that really allowed me to, um, to fully comprehend what it was that he was asking me to do was to look at Romans 6 verse 11. This was so good and it just laid it out so clearly for me. This is the New American Standard Bible. He says, consider yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. 
I love that because if we think about our old identity as being a sinner, it actually says that that person is dead. We are dead to sin. So therefore, that person that we may be so ashamed of, that person that's holding us back from stepping into everything that God has for us is actually dead. And sometimes we can be stuck in this dead identity when God has already given us resurrection identity and he's calling us into it and he's saying, guys, I have something great on your life. I have a plan and a purpose for you and I have a new identity for you to do new things. And he's calling us forward into that, into that kingdom identity for us to grab hold of what he has for us. And I know that the enemy is so threatened by that. Sometimes we can be so scared of what he's doing in our lives, but you know, it's almost like, I remember my, my parents saying, you know, for all those insects, I was a bit of a girly girl sometimes. Well, I still am. So <laughs> all, those, all those little bugs that you, know, you run away from and you're like, Ew. You know, my parents would always be like, you know, Carling, they're more afraid of you than, they are, than you are of it. You know, I believe that the enemy is more afraid of what God wants to do through us than we are of him sometimes. And so he sees what God has on our lives and he wants to distract us. And I see the world around us, how they can get so introspective trying to find themselves and they get wrapped up in getting their identity um, from looking at themselves instead of looking to the giver of their identity, who is God. Uh, I believe that when we, when we lose sight of God, we lose sight of who we are. And it's so important for us to have a clear perspective of who God is. And if I can just take you back to my story growing up, and again, this was not intentional by anybody. Nobody taught me this, but just the way that I grew up was when I looked at God, I had a distorted perspective. And if I saw him as father, he was a disciplinarian. If I saw him as loving, it was only if I obeyed his commandments. It was very conditional in my, in my mind. And if he was a redeemer, then I felt like I owed him something. And if he was pleased with me, I felt like it was only temporary until I messed it up again. And that was the shame that I lived in, that, and it left me feeling guilt, trying, trying to please a harsh God with unrealistic expectations and rules and Eventually, it became really tiring and depressing and, and left me full of anxiety knowing that I did not and I could not measure up. And that's what happens when we end up trying to work out of our own strength and see God through a warped perspective um, because our eyes are not fully on him. But I believe that God wants to bring clarity to us this, this afternoon. And uh, I found that because my perspective of God was distorted, that then changed the way that I thought he saw me, which then in turn changed the way I saw myself. But I began to realize that the way that you perceive God will become the filter through which you perceive yourself. So the way that you perceive God this afternoon will become the filter through which you perceive yourself. So we can stand up here and declare your identity, but until we have a revelation of who God is, then it's hard for us to understand what he's declaring over you and actually take it in, not just in our head. I think for me, growing up in the church, I took a lot of information in, but it didn't get to my heart. It didn't actually change me, but it takes an encounter with Christ. It takes him revealing himself to you, and it just takes one moment for that revelation to happen. But there's something so powerful that happens when we step into his light and 
we begin to have that revelation of him first and foremost, which then reveals who we are. I love uh, how the Passion Translation puts Psalm 73, verse 17. It says, but then one day I was brought into the sanctuaries of God, and in the light of glory, my distorted perspective vanished. Isn't that so like God? That as we actually step into all that he has for us, the light of his truth, then we're able to get rid of that distortion and have a clear view of who he is when his light shines on us in that revelation of who he is. I, um, I think it's beautifully depicted in Matthew 16, verse 13 to 19, and I'll, I'll wrap up with this because I think I'm out of time. Sorry, ladies. But uh, Jesus is talking to his disciples and basically trying to get the latest gossip on like, well, who's, who's talking about me? What do they say about me? And so they, they're like, oh, well, some people think you're so-and-so. Some people think you're that other guy and this dead guy and that dead guy. And then he turns it around and he, he makes it personal. And he's like, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answers him in verse 15. He says, you are the anointed one, the son of the living God, And then Jesus replied, you are favored and privileged, Simon, son of Jonah, for you didn't discover this on your own, but my father in heaven has supernaturally revealed it to you. I now give you the name Peter, a stone, and this truth of who I am will be the bedrock foundation on which I will build my church, my legislative assembly, and the power of death will not be able to overcome it. And I will give you the keys of heaven's kingdom realm to forbid on earth that which is forbidden in heaven and to release on earth that which is released in heaven. Wow, that is some power. So we see here that it all starts actually with a revelation to Peter. So we can say like, well, of course, Peter knew who Jesus was. He walked around with him for years, right? But if we look at what the verse says, it's not that Peter got it out of his own knowledge. It actually says, my father in heaven has supernaturally revealed it to you. So Our Father in heaven can reveal something to each and every one of us here today. We don't have to go back and be like Peter to understand who Jesus is, to understand our Heavenly Father and to get that revelation of who he is. And when that happens, we see that Jesus now declares a new identity over him. In one moment, he declares that you were Simon, son of Jonah, but now new identity for a new thing. I now call you Peter, a stone. And with that, it's not just not just a new identity, but he wraps inside of that a call to be part of the foundation of his church. And, and so we see that when we, have, when we get our kingdom revelation, we get kingdom identity, we also get a kingdom call. But he doesn't stop there. He also brings authority. And I know that Kara is going to touch a little bit more on this later tonight, so you don't want to miss it. But we see that he talks here And it says, I will give you the keys of heaven's kingdom realm to forbid on earth that which is forbidden in heaven and to release on earth that which is released in heaven. So when we step into that God-given identity, we get God-given authority. Isn't that amazing that we can grab hold of that all from one moment of revelation in God's presence, just allowing his light to shine on us. See, when we're confident in who he is, then we can be confident in who he says we are. And we can be confident in our kingdom identity as saints and not sinners. And see that miraculous transformation of our identity through the the free gift that Jesus Christ gave us on the cross, so powerful. 
We shouldn't lose sight of it, but that leads to the release of the miraculous in our lives as we bring kingdoms, the kingdom of heaven, sorry, to earth. And that's exactly what he gives us the power to do, just like we read there, to loose on earth that which loose is loose in heaven and to, and to bind on earth that which is bound in heaven. And that's what he calls us to. So it's not just, see, it all goes hand in hand. What we're talking about right now isn't just about your identity, but your identity is the hinging point for so many things where we can see your call and your authority to actually step out and be the ambassador that we're called to be and to step into all that God wants to to have and to do through us. And I believe that as we draw near to God in relationship, as, as we listen to that song that he is singing over each and every one of you here this morning, rejoicing over you and calling you a saint, then we'll have renewed perspective of who he is, which will then in turn give us new revelation of our kingdom identity as holy, righteous, and sanctified saints that are free of shame and full of God's power. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com.